Philadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I am with two guys who uh, released their own tapes to TMZ this week. What's up, Chuck and Gene? <laughs> Nothing much, Dave. Uh, it's Chuck Siders. You can find me on Twitter at Chuck Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. And I'm Gene Zilak, and you can find me as the fourth quarterback, the emergency quarterback for the Washington Redskins. <laughs> All right. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Oh, kind of rouse steam there. Yeah. I don't know. We won today. That's great. Monday and, Night Football. In pretty dun, commanding dun, dun, dun. in pretty commanding fashion, I would say. I know, but I I don't like I'm joyless again. Like I'm happy we won, but again I find myself like not overly excited after a win. Is it because- and I came into this game fired up. I did. I was fired up too. Here here's the thing. Do you think that it's a little bit of a hangover over having to deal with the fact that Dallas beat New Orleans and now they you know it feels like they're in command of the division. They they seem like they're now poised to run away with this thing. I won't lie. That the Dallas win was a major buzzkill to the whole week. But even putting that aside, I went into this game uh excited like okay, we're going to we get a win here. It's going to set up a, a a matchup next week against Dallas to be to basically be tied for first place. And well actually you know, it's well I mean we would hold the tiebreaker. We would have more division wins. We would go into first place oh, if we win next week. Right. You're right. You're right. Um thank you Jones. But even against a backup quarterback but th- I mean but to just but oh god. For Cole McCoy to break his leg. <laughs> <laughs> and and Mark Sanchez, triumphant return to Philadelphia. The butt fumble recovery. Oh my God! You just there's no way the Redskins are going to win a game with Mark Sanchez as a quarterback. The Redskins are and they're in bad shape right now. They're so, in very bad shape. I don't know. Kind of. It kind of. You know. I'm happy we got the win, but it kind of took a little. Uh, you know, air out of my balloon. Yeah. They. The first half and even into the third quarter just it it wasn't encouraging the the score you know we were playing much better than them once sanchez got in like outside of that uh fluky play to peterson you know that huge uh was it a return or just a, a run? No, it was a but run. It, it was a poorly, poorly like the, we just called the wrong. It's like in Tech Mobile when you you call the pass and he he, <laughs> he runs it up the middle and it, they've got Bo Jackson. Yeah, that that's what happened to us. We just we had all we had all cornerbacks on the field and they ran it right up right up. It was I think an off tackle, but it was ugly. Yeah, and the, the game was just way too fluky close. So that sense of dread coming in, it's like we're really gonna lose this. We're going to, it's going to be Mark Sanchez somehow being competent enough to beat us. And then by the time the fourth quarter came, it we just looked so dominant over them. So it felt like, oh, this game's a blowout. You know, can we just get to the, the end of it? Yeah, I mean, the Redskins have... <laughs> I feel like if you're going to go ahead and, and pick up a uh, a a player who you know is under investigation for domestic abuse you have a running back who basically abuses children i mean you've signed your karmic uh fate with that and this is what happens you have two quarterbacks with broken legs and that's yeah. you know. and, and not to mention the team name i mean oh yeah <laughs> 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 I mean, it's the most racist thing in sports, and that's saying something because there's a lot of racist shit in sports. It, so it's like they they just cannot get the message that like, hey man, like you can totally kind of get with the rest of the world now if you if you want. And Dan Snyder just seems like so resistant to the idea of any sort of change whatsoever. Like, okay, fine, you want to keep your name, fine. Like, why don't you try to do business a little bit better? Why don't you try to be more of an example of like how to be a positive organization, but they just refuse under any circumstances to, to operate any better than they have always operated. Yeah. No, they double down. They're like, we'll take all of the dirt bags. I mean, Kareem hunts on his way, right? 
Is he allowed Probably. to sign? Like, I, I, I mean, what are the rules? Has, well, like, I, has the NFL... Like, I know he just straight up got cut from Kansas City. Like, right. Andy Reid's just like, I'm not even going to deal with this nonsense. I'm trying to win a Super Bowl this year. Just get out of my face. And by the way, like, you know, bravo, Kansas City Chiefs. Like, way to, you know, have integrity over... Yeah, but know, how did they, how did nobody know big. about this? Here's the thing that is: how did nobody know about this for so long? How does this not come out? Does, like, there's somebody where was where did this happen? Vegas? There's somebody that was able to sit on it this long before it came out. Well, do you think the NFL knew anything about it beforehand? Well, you you who wow. knows with the NFL? I mean, yeah. how many how many games did Zeke Elliott end up getting? How many games? Uh, and he didn't even. Uh, Who's the one that's the real famous case? Zeke Elliott was drugs. Um, You're talking about the running back from uh, Baltimore. Yeah, well, um, his career, I guess, eventually ended, but... Ray Rice? Ray Rice, yeah, Ray thank Rice. you. There it is. Um, but, yeah, but has the NFL come out and said anything? Like, this guy's, you know, banned from the league for a year? Or is it just... the? If they I start mean, doing I, that, then they got to start going up and down rosters and start banning people for life. Wow. Because I, what he did may not even be as bad as what some people on current rosters have done in the past. <laughs> yeah, you have true. to like retroactively start banning people. Like, I think that Goodell has finally learned his lesson. He just doesn't say anything. So the Redskins uh, are the Redskins for all intents and purposes eliminated from playoff contention at this point. I think so. I think so. There, there is. I don't even know a quarterback they could pick up or what they could do at that position. They I have the guy that done. they can pick up. Like it's Mark Sanchez. <laughs> well, they can pick up Kaepernick. Yeah, I, I think I saw was it Joe Banner like tweeted that out. Joe Banner tweeted that out. He did. He did. Yeah. Joe Banner, and he used the wrong there in his tweet. Also, oh, that seems like <laughs> the most Joe Banner thing to do ever. <laughs> Um, but my thing about Kaepernick at this point is how long has it been since he's played football? Like, is he, is he practicing? He's not with the CFL or anything. It's like, I'm not saying like, oh, you know, his political stance, don't give him a job at this point. Like, what's to say he's not going to go out there and break his leg in practice? Like, he would he, he would literally football? become, like, a national hero in Canada. Like, him and Justin Trudeau would probably <laughs> end up, like, going out and partying every weekend. Because the two of them probably drive Trump the most nuts of any two humans <laughs> in the world. If, like... Like if this was the W, like if this is the World Wrestling Federation, like that would be like the tag team that Trump and Pence would hate the most would be Kaepernick and Trudeau, and they would come draped in their Quebec flag and their their maple leaves <laughs> and their like Canadian masks with like the hair. It would be crazy. <laughs> Rosie O'Donnell is their manager. Rosie O'Donnell is the manager. This we need Vince McMahon. Get him on the phone. We need to make this happen. <laughs> Well, Trump's tight with McMahon, so he might be that might be someone in his corner there. <laughs> and this is the content you get when we start recording at eleven thirty at night. That's right. We get oh, political. All right. So uh back to the game. Um what did you guys think of the uh Jason Witten uh barbecue sauce graphic next to the Zach Ertz uh cheese whiz graphic? Graphic was definitely a word for it. Like, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't quite paying attention and looked up. And I'm like, what the hell is that all over Jason Witten's like name? And then I got with with the that it was the the cheese whiz. And then it was like barbecue. Okay, and like, are either of them from like Dallas or Philly? I don't think so. So it's not like their own. It was really, really weird. Like, it was very distractingly odd. That's, like, become Monday Night Football's thing now, is to do, like, these weird cartoon graphics. Didn't Did you see the one against, I think it was when the Patriots played the Bills, where they had, like, Bill Belichick or Tom Brady do, like, a table slam, like, the way they do it in Buffalo, like, parking lots? They had, like, a cartoon Bill Belichick slamming through, like, card tables and doing beer funnels it was like they've like literally like a backyard wrestling yes situation? like they've literally completely gone over the band espn no, has lost their mind not see that tonight they did have a uh an adrian peterson graphic a representative of some sort of like greek parthenon of uh 
great running backs, like they, great old guy running backs, down uh, record or whatever. Um, yeah, getting a little weird. ESPN getting a little weird with the graphics. But do you think uh, we in Philadelphia? Uh, are the only ones that are experiencing cowboy fatigue with these commentators? No, I don't. It can't just be us. It, it it has to drive everybody crazy because it's just cowboys. It's not like you have to. We have to deal with Joe Montana and Jerry Rice and Ronnie Lott, and we all have Forty Nine er fatigue. It's not like we have to deal with uh, Barry Sanders and well, there's no other famous Detroit Lions, so <laughs> Barry Sanders. It's not like we get to listen to Mike Singletary, who would be way more interesting, and Brian Urlacher. Oh. Put those guys on. Yeah, no, we're I, stuck I would with enjoy more that. Cowboys. It all the goes. Closest, the next closest comes like the Giants, right? You have like the Barbers doing some nonsense. Phil Sims. Phil Sims doing, doing stuff. Yeah. Um, and then you got Strahan just on like Good Morning America or whatever. I don't know when Michael Strahan sleeps. He literally has to be yeah. on TV twenty four hours a day. There should just be an all Michael Strahan channel. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I just think it's a little much that every station has multiple Cowboys. Yeah, it's like, ooh, we either got commentating own... the game or on the pregame. We got a Cowboy. Game. Yeah, no, it's not necessary. Or their coach. Jeez. Yeah, it's no, enough. I'm done with them. So it can't just be us. It can't just be us. The only other th- thing that is more fatigued is people that have. I'm actually more fatigued from people that hate Joe Buck than I am with fatigued of listening to Joe Buck. People that hate Joe Buck are almost as annoying as Joe Buck now. The Joe Buck hate has gone too far. It's gone too far because it's li- like if you follow any Joe Buck called game, I was I guess it was he had the he had the Dallas game I think this week. I think him and Troy Aikman were doing that. If you follow Twitter, there's as many Cowboys fans that hate Joe Buck as Saints fans that hated Joe Buck. It just depended on the score of the game. He's he 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 is universally disliked, except St. Louis Cardinal fans. Right. Well, that's because they love his dad. <laughs> Listen, if Joe Buck is calling your game. You're doing something right. Yeah. Yeah, because he gets the premier. He's the A-team. Just I'm always yeah, psyched I, when he calls a Phillies game. I, that's just me. Yeah. I, I've come around on Joe Buck. I don't actively like him, but the hate has gotten too much. The hate's annoying, right? Yeah. Where it's like he can't say anything without people criticizing him. I'm like, all right, there's plenty to, to criticize or make fun of, but like you're just picking anything he says and and, you know, uh, my thing that Joe Buck does, but so do so many other people, uh, is getting ahead of the story. So, you know, it's the, you know, since he does baseball and football, it's, you know, the second inning or halfway through the first quarter quarter or whatever. And he starts telling the tale of this courageous win. I'm like, there's still like, there's a whole game to be played. Stop crafting the narrative before like we've been even introduced to the characters but i've 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 come around to just go like he's fine i don't care he has he has a nice enough voice he's not too distracting nobody loves national announcers like it's just nobody does you love the guy who does your home we love merrill merrill would be a terrible national announcer because merrill cannot be not a homer like you can, we don't want to hear Merrill calling an Eagles game like even keeled. Like that makes would take everything that is great about Merrill Reese out of the equation. And you certainly don't want Mike Quick calling a national game. You know that would be ridiculous. Oh God no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, You'd have Matt Blatt splat the <laughs> uh, Kia drive uh, hers crunch. Everything would be uh, some sort of promotional yeah. event. Yeah. No. We don't. So like that's the thing is I. The only people I can think of was Pat Summerall and Madden. Were they revered at some point? I don't really. Re- I just remember them as a kid. I don't remember ever being like, "I'm so excited to go and listen to John Madden." I just knew that that meant I was watching CBS. That was that's basically all I could tell. You know, with baseball, the same thing. We love Harry Callis. We didn't want to listen to Harry Callis call it evenly for the Mets. No, that would have been horrible. So national announcers, by their very nature, suck. Like that's just the nature of the beast. If you're going to have to call a national game and call it straight, you're going to be pissing off pretty much everybody that's listening. So as far as national announcers go, <laughs> at least Joe Buck is not freaking vanilla. And he's not a cowboy. Even though his best, at least, even though uh, his best buddy is. Yeah. <laughs> his color man is. Um, all right. Anything else about this? Guy? I mean, I don't know. I don't want to like, hang out too long in this game. I just think it, it, it sets up a pretty – 
like cool week next week. It's Dallas week. Ooh. And this Dallas feels like uh, this is going to be a real like this had better be a war. Like it had got it's got to be a, a a dog fight. Like if we lose this game, we have to at least take three of them down with us. Like this has got to be. <laughs> This has got to be, and we're going there. We're going to the Jerry Dome. This is, this is, ah, oh, it's got to be an absolute war. Like, I want, I don't want any of this not being able to get up for a game. I don't want to start slow. I'm going to go out there, punch him in the mouth, and not let up and have it be a fight the whole way through. That's, that's the game I want to see next Sunday. Well, we need to figure out a way next week to sustain drives and run the ball um, because I'm not feeling comfortable with Cooper against our secondary by any stretch. No, but Golden Tate chewed up their secondary, so take that. <laughs> but he played for a different team then, but still, yeah. take that. Yeah, I mean, we need to find a way to, to, to yeah, like, I know we lead the league in time of possession, I think. We need to find a way to, like, really control the ball, like, 35, 36 minutes and really limit their possessions and, and just – keep the ball away from Zeke and Cooper and all that because it's it, oh God. I could see that game getting really frustrating with our secondary. The, um, the only other thing I want to add about this game is, and it, it was basically this week, this week leading up to this game is like, I finally feel like I have found the, 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 the storyline or whatever, the, the thing to hang on to for this season that has gotten me like hooked in the beginning of the season. I was like, you know, it's the Super Bowl team and they're going to just throw it in gear and they're going to show up. No, I think I finally figured out like what the attraction for me for this team is. And it's this. Hopefully what it's going to be is these last couple of games. They're going to be this scrappy kind of, you know, you know, I don't want to use this, the dog analogy again. I don't want to do it. I don't, but like I think that, that like very truly they are absolutely now an underdog and I, I hope that this finally what they've been saying the whole time is that once the pressure is off they can just go out and play football and it looked like tonight at least for certain players it was nice to see Darren Sproles just out there playing football it was nice to see uh, Golden Tate out there making plays and a, a certain person on this show may have put him in the penalty box maybe he got the message I don't know but. That's what yeah, I, I think I actually think my favorite play of the game was um, Wentz was you know dead to rights, and he like gestured to Tate to go down the sideline, um, and then it looked like a desperation throw, but it really was a perfectly floated ball that hit Tate right on the sideline. I think it was for like a twenty-two or twenty-five yard gain. And I was like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, they they seemed like they were out there, and they finally found like the right speed of the game for them in the last couple games you know yeah. they found it you know granted the giants and the redskins are not they're not the the, the saints but they well the 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 redskins do not have guys off the street playing in their secondary no that's true no they have very good players in the secondary actually yeah so you know it's not nothing and the giants had a big win this week against a good team yeah, who saw yeah. that coming? In one of the craziest games, game. I think, yeah. in the history of the NFL. It was a, <laughs> a, a, a return of the Philly special with Trey Burton, a three-second touchdown to push it to overtime, and the Giants win on a field goal in OT. And it doesn't get it doesn't end in a tie. Thank it's God. a shame that it was sort of like all for nothing, but yeah. like all that stuff the Bears went through for nothing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot of good stuff happened for the Eagles this week. Big win by the Patriots against the Vikings. That yeah, really we really helped needed us out. that one, yeah. Uh, Panthers lost. Oh, but really before you move along from the Patriots game, Bill Belichick going out and yelling at Adam Thielen was pretty great too. <laughs> and they asked Brady about it like after the game, and Brady just was like cracking up about it. Brady was loving it. <laughs> uh, the hoodie showing a little emotion. All right, so yeah, Dallas week. I'm excited. So wh what do you think? What, what's your kind of early prediction since we're not going to probably talk before – uh, before that game, you think the Eagles have it in them to go down there and win? What do you think the line's going to be? If you had to guess, uh, I think the Eagles are going to be getting like four. Oh, I like that number. Then I, I think I, I think, I think I like the Eagles. I think it's going to be real close, but I feel like the Eagles just have. I feel like the Cowboys are going to come in there. It's a classic, like coming off of a game, smelling your own 
headlines. Jerry's going to have them all fired up. How about them Cowboys? This is the, the kind of game where you come back and you got to play a division opponent and you get kicked in the nuts. And I'm so glad it's going to be us that are going to be doing the nut kicking. Oh, because they have like not, a week and a half. Yeah, and not getting our, ourselves kicked in the nuts. And I think as long as Jason Peters, I guess, kind of tapes himself back together, whatever happened at the end of the game, um, I would feel much more better. Much more better. Jeez, listen to me. Um, <laughs> I would feel better about it knowing that he's at left tackle and not Big V. But I'm going to take the Eagles in a squeaker. I'm going to take the Eagles 28-27. Uh, I'm I'm also going to take the Eagles because I I'm caught up in the hype. It's like okay, they're they're doing little things that they used to do. You know, uh, Dave, you mentioned that um, play t- uh, from Wentz to to Tate. You know, Wentz was moving in the pocket again and buying himself time, and you know, making you know a good throw um, usually. And they they look a little more like the team I thought they were. And I feel like it's going to be a revenge game. You know, big rival going to Dallas. And they'll win 32-30. Yeah, I don't, I don't really see us winning this game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it'll be really cool if we do. but uh, And I'm going to get really excited for it as it gets closer. Um but right now, I mean, like on paper, I, I I don't I don't see us winning it. But who knows? That's just me. So does that mean we have to go into the to the Los Angeles and win? Like that means that LA no, is... that means the season's over. We oh. lose that game. The season's over. <laughs> Even though we've already said the season's over like four times on this podcast, the, four, the season has been over quite a few times on this show. Yeah, well, I think maybe more accurately, I think we said like the season comes down to this game. Well, the season has come down to this game several times. Uh. The last two weeks, absolutely, the season came. The last Dallas game, we said the season was over. Um, I think, I think I might have said the season's over after the Titans game. (laughs) I think you did. (laughs) I think you did. I'm I'm pretty Uh, sure we said the season was over after the first game when they won. Oh, and then the Carolina game. I think the season was also over after that game as well. Um. All right. Moving Birds. On. Good job tonight, Eagles. Way to go, Eagles. Back back to the top of the show. Back to back wins. First <laughs> time to see a winning streak. We're also on a winning streak here at Potadelphia with hot topics to talk about. And Chuck, like, just tell me the whole story of what the hell's going on with the Flyers because I can't read enough articles about <laughs> what's going on. Well, last week we had TMZ and the Sixers, and apparently there's some like shit going down at Wells Fargo Center. So since we last spoke, um, they fired Ron Hextall, and it wasn't because he didn't get a goalie, and it wasn't because he wouldn't fire Hextall. It's apparently because he was a asshole to work with and a bad boss and a micromanager. And, and he wouldn't let him have coke on a plane. Yeah. Well, it was Coke on the plan. I knew they were dietitians and stories of making everyone wear a knee brace because Couturier had to wear a knee brace because of that charity game. Oh, that charity game apparently pissed him off. (laughs) Which all checks out, too. It's like I, I was floored when he was let go. I, I, so they fired Hextall basically because he's a dick. Yeah. But if you look and, at like how he left the team, like as a general manager, not so bad. Oh no, the I mean, it's a great situation to take over. Like it, it, it just became. I, I think speaking of you know recurring themes on the show, I think it was the last two weeks. I'm like, they have to do something. They have to do something. Something has to yeah. change. Yeah, and they did, and it was get rid of Hextall. And just, you know, based on the type of player he was, the guy's a stubborn dude. So I could totally see them going, you need to get a goalie and him going, no. Like he he could have had someone on the line, a goalie trade in the works. And the moment he was told trade a goalie for a goalie or fired, then he went, I guess I'm fired. I'm I'm surprised at one point, like he didn't like they called him one time and get, get a goalie and he didn't like show up in pads being like you want to see a goalie i'll show you a goalie let me get so 20, let me get 27 the, out of the rafters is this a situation where the organization now can finally go like ah, 
okay let's play i hope so um one of the things that um i found really interesting and i think we might have talked about it off the air of like what's true and what's not with the sort of gossipy columns and i i get the feeling that more of it's true than not but the not letting Hackstall pick his own assistant coaches. That was really weird. You know, his rookie year where he came in and kept Baruby's assistant coaches. That's really weird. I thought, okay, transition him to the NHL. And I thought the next season he'd bring in his own guys. Nope. Never happened. He never had say over his own assistant coaches. So, Chuck, you might understand the culture of the Flyers a little better than I do, but one of the other things that keeps getting brought up is the fact that he wouldn't let alumni and, like, former players into the locker room. Like, I get not letting you have, like, guys have their entourage or whatever. Now, I I mean, I don't know if, like, hockey players other than, like, Carter and Richard, like, Richards and Carter were, like, (laughs) notorious for having entourages. Lindros probably had a bunch of guys, too, but they were probably, like, his dad. Um, (laughs) But, like... So I get that idea. Like, you can't have, like, your boys in sitting in the locker room on their cell phones, like, waiting for you to get done practice. But, like, the idea that, like, you couldn't have former players in, like, I guess if, like, Lindros and LeClaire were in town, they couldn't pop in and, like, chat with the guys. Like, that seems like if Hextall, it's not like he's new to the organization. Like, he's he he played his basically his whole career here. He he would know the drill that that's the culture of this, the way this organization works. And to squash that seems really strange. It, it does, with the exception that, you know, he was brought in for a culture change. You know, they, they talked about, like, we're not going to win now. We're not trying to win now. We're going to be patient. For the first time in Flyers history, we're going to be patient. And maybe he until we're not until we're not, um, and the patience didn't last very long at all. <laughs> and I was okay with maxing out the credit card, although I'm very happy with the the prospect pool we have. But I, maybe it was just tighten the ship. Maybe he didn't feel like hearing Bobby Clark's opinion. Maybe Gary Dornhofer came in and told long stories, and they wanted to get him out of the locker room. But you know, I think of times where. Uh, I think it was early in Giroux's career. Um, uh, Richards was still on the team and everything. They brought in Bobby Clark to teach him how to do face-offs. And Giroux's one of the best face-off guys in the league. And they talk about that Flyers culture where it doesn't feel cutthroat, where it feels like a family, where it feels like you're playing for something more than a contract. And that apparently... You know, went out the window with Hextall and the the death of Ed Snyder, and and again, it's all it's all rumor or reporting, I guess. So this I is all know. basically from the Anthony Sanfilippo. His was the most explicit. Yeah. Um, Bill Meltzer, Dave Isaac, um, a couple of other people had had made mention or alluded. Yeah. Well, to, Crossing to Broad things. gets into the like sensationalism a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that one, that, and Anthony Sanfilippo has a great resume. Um, Hmm. I used to really like him when he was with uh, the Delco paper. Um, Not that I don't like him now, I just don't read him anymore. But it it was a bit gossipy. Um, But... But if it's true, it's true. I mean, so is Ron Hextall than... basically the love child of Sam Hinkie and Chip Kelly? <laughs> He's got like the prickishness of Chip with the like patience and like rebuild of Sam. And the older brother of Gabe Kapler with the cheat sheets and the weird, uh, <laughs> weird quirks. <laughs> See, this is what we get for being progressive and bringing in new ideas. We get to make fun of them. Yeah, no, well, more Paul Holmgren, more Charlie Manuel. We always let these guys start, but we never see, like, let them see it through to the end to see what they could really do with it. Well, I mean, let, well, let's talk about it. What were your guys' feelings of the firing? Are you cool with it, or do you think Hexel should have been given more time? Um, I'm cool with it. I, like, I think it... It's almost like the whole like hinky thing. Like how long can you spin your wheels and sell a fan base on patience? Like there has to be a payoff at some point. Like 
there needs to be progress eventually. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Sixers, you were able to actually see it with the with the draft picks. I mean, it, it's a little bit more instant gratification in the NBA than it is with hockey because, you know, like Carter Hart, like we want to see Carter Hart. You know, when, when you draft a number one pick in the NBA, they play the first game. You know, yeah. it's like there's no waiting. Yeah, and one impact and one player can have such huge impact in the NBA. You get yeah, three sure. that's that's true too. Three yeah. elite players and you have an elite team. Hockey, it takes, you know, three elite players and a whole bunch of good ones. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I, I I am unabashedly a I if you come into my house bigger than the, the photos I have of my family or friends, I have a photo of Ron Hextall in his gear in my <laughs> in my house. So like I'm unabashedly and always have been like a Hextall fan apologist. But in this case, if half of what is speculated in rumor is true, like the the thing that really got me and because I listen to what Chuck says and what what happens with our guys in the blue line is kind of like how the team's going to go. The idea that that the def- the guy who was coaching the defend the def- the defenseman, uh, Gord Murphy, Gord Murphy was kind of basically the inside man for Hextall. Like he was the one that was kind of like going back upstairs and letting him know about anybody's naughty behavior. And you could kind of see from last year to this year, even me who is has an untrained eye for these sorts of things that. The progress that I expected to see from those defenders just it didn't mm-hmm. seem like they were getting clued in. Like it, it seemed like there was some sort of coaching. That's why we all wanted to fire Hackstall. Because it felt like it was a lack of coaching. And and what it might be is that it was a lack of trust between the coaches and the players. And that may have been that feels like it, it should be on the bench, but maybe in this case it was from way higher up. Um, well, let's so. talk about let's talk about Hackstall. Like, uh, is he long for this position, or is he gone? I I I think he's going to be hanging around a little bit longer than most people would like. Um, so I don't think he's going to be gone immediately. I don't think he's going to be gone before uh, Thursday's game, which I thought originally was going to be the case because they allowed him to hire a new defensive coach. You know, so they. Um, I don't think it's official yet, but a lot of you are reporting that they're bringing in a new defensive coach. So that'd be a pretty dick move. Go, yeah, hire a new guy. And now both of you are fired. <laughs> um, so I, I think he's going to get a little bit of a reprieve. And it might come down to whether Joel Quinville wants to coach this season or wait until next. <laughs> and I'm actually being 100% truthful here because uh, Chuck Fletcher apparently, like, is close to the Quinville family sort of thing. And Bob McKenzie reported that Joel Quinville might want to take the rest of the season off. So if that's the case, and if that's Chuck Fletcher's guy, it, it might just be, Hey, Hacksaw, don't screw up too bad. And you know, if the team's just, you know, sucking, put in an interim coach. Feel so free for those to of you who don't know, Chuck another... Fletcher is the new general manager, right? That just got announced today. Yep, just got announced today. I think they're doing a press conference on Wednesday. And he was a what? A former Wild. Yep, he was the GM for the Wild for nine years. Uh, a lot. How of many Stanley say, Cups did he win with the Wild? Uh, he won zero. Perfect. Great. This is what I want. Okay. Good. <laughs> well, all right. Well, let, let's talk about that. <laughs> so, because I I have no strong opinion i don't dislike the hire i think what i saw him do in minnesota was fine he actually built a very competitive team a team that was consistently competitive and but i don't know who gm chuck fletcher is going to be the second time around you know you you see it in the nfl a lot where you know guys an okay coach or maybe a bad coach his first time around gets fired and then gets a second gig, and it's like, oh, wow, this guy's really good. Sure, Belichick. Yeah, Belichick was the one I'm thinking of, but also I'm, there are others, or it, it seems to happen where uh, Peter Laviolette, Peter Laviolette uh, as a coach, came in, was unremarkable with the Islanders, 
and then went on to Carolina and had huge success. So I think the GM position could be the same. So I think if Chuck Fletcher had a good run in Minnesota, you know, there's nothing to say that he won't learn from that, come in with a better prospect pool than he had when he started in Minnesota and really convert it and take the Flyers to the next level. So I'm I'm optimistic. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, my optimism is an 8. On a scale of 1 to 10, my confidence is a 3. I have no idea how this is going to go. <laughs> well, he's got um, quite the mess on his hands to sort out. So, but they played, they played Shot. well. I thought they played well against Pittsburgh. So that was some some positive. Yeah. Oh yeah. Some yeah. positive stuff. They've they've looked a, a little better on the ice. Uh, Stoli looked good. Um, I'm hoping he he can turn into an NHL goalie. Oh right. Fuck. We still don't have a goalie. <laughs> right. Oh damn. No, we okay. don't. Great. That, that Chuck Fletcher should uh should address that should be addressed but i think um i i want Stoli to get the next start maybe the next couple you know well just see what he has a hot hand situation right yeah but he was a ahl all-star the year before he got hurt and little (laughs) (laughs) well he might be neil little but um, a lot of people were a lot higher on him than I was. I think I said I had injury bias against him. Also, here's my true bias against Stoli. He, it was the way he started his college career. And this is really dumb. Like, this is not a good reason to, to be, like, hold a grudge against the kid. But he started with uh, University of Nebraska at Omaha. And he wasn't the starter his rookie year, his freshman year. And he wasn't happy with that and then went off to the London Knights. All right, right, fine, whatever. He didn't clearly win the starting job with the London Knights, eventually took it, didn't win the starting job for USA junior team. He never, he never came in and won the job. And he always, I, I just didn't like that. I didn't like that. He was ever really the guy. And it wasn't until that all-star year in Allentown, I saw, okay, maybe he can be the guy, but I've always been like, I just don't think the kid's going to do it. Because I just of, don't like him I because his it. nickname sounds like a co-ed ordering a drink at the bar. Like, I'll take a Stoli and, and Cranberry. Yeah, it's weak. <laughs> Want to line with that? Stoli itself is just pure vodka. <laughs> like... I know. I don't know. It's fine. <laughs> it, it, it's somebody who's very picky about their brands. Um, <laughs> um, but that's, I mean... That's really the the right. Flyers news. Hacks. Let's go Flyers. Yep. Uh, this week, guys. Let's turn it around. You did a thing. Um, do we want to go Phillies or Sixers? Because I'm like torn. Want to go Phillies next? Yeah, let's go Phillies next. I got opinion. Yeah, that's the hot news. Uh, Phillies made a big trade, Gene. They did. Gene Segura is coming to town, just like Santa. <laughs> we have an all-star shortstop on our hands because we absolutely fleeced the Seattle Mariners. Yeah, I I reviewed that trade a few times, and I'm I'm not a baseball you know expert. I know the Phils, I know our division, I know the National League better than I, you know. Sorry, I know the East Coast better than I know um, you know the West Coast, and the National League better than I know the American League. I I'm like. What am I missing? What, what, how did we pull off this deal? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You should be because when I first heard it, it was the like only thing super... I could figure out is did Ed Wade suddenly become the GM in Seattle? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I first heard the trade, it was Segura for uh, JP Crawford. And like, there's like other details. And I was like, oh, there's going to be some of our like minor league pitchers. Well, I thought Sixto was going to be, I was going to hear the name Sixto and I was going to freak out. Yeah, well, it turned so, and then you hear that we're also unloading Santana, which I think is actually maybe the more important part of this trade was getting rid of Santana. More than if they would have just taken Santana, we would have had a big day today. More than getting Segura, but getting rid of it's like equal. It's like one and one A for me. Yeah, I mean, it's like a dream come true. It's like how does Clentac get himself off the hook? For signing Santana like this, I, it's unbelievable. Because how much better does the, the defense get simply by the 
fact that you can get Kingery out of the outfield. No, no, They're not Hos- Kingery. Hoskins. And get Kingery off the field. Get Kingery <laughs> off the pitcher's mound. <laughs> That's what we have to do. Um, yeah, so and then I heard that the um, the Mariners were actually asking for uh, either Eflin, Medina, or Romero in the deal, and they didn't get any of them. <laughs> well, basically, Clintac laughed and hung up the phone. Like that, it's that scene in a, in a in a movie where he's like ha 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 and hangs up the phone, and then Seattle calls him back. Was like, okay, let's let's talk. But I'm kind of nervous because this sort of feels like. The like, I don't understand it. Like, when's the other shoe going to drop? Like, is this the Fultz trade again? Like, because I felt like we won that trade, too, when we did it. Um, So, I and don't we know. Still, like, we what, still th- might. This couldn't have been – this could not have been the best offer the Mariners received. No. Could it? I don't know. Like, is there something with Gene Segura that we don't know about? Well, that's what I'm saying. Is he like a clubhouse – problem or something everything i i've I've read the main thing is that like they are just so desperate to get flexibility in their payroll that they they just felt bogged down by all of these because they're trying to move cano too or they may have already moved cano right i think they they already did right so that to me that says like we're just getting away from anybody who's anywhere near overpaid you know what i mean like we're just gonna get real young real fast and Hopefully, if we get a get a stockpile of young players that are close to major league ready, because JP Crawford at this point, like he's got to be considered close to major league ready. The the other yeah, thing, I thought the, so. The, so the, the Cano Phillies, and, and Edwin Diaz went to the Mets. The uh, the Phillies are not in dire straits as far as shortstops either. It's not like getting rid of JP Crawford puts them like completely. Well, out. they have two more prospects. I thought at shortstop that are I think one's at Double A. And one is a, in a low. A, a oh, lower yeah, I don't know about in the farms. I mean, we have lots of guys in the big club that can play short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but what I, I mean is, like, you know, if Secure is if Secure is here three to five years, we still have people in the pipeline that are that are going to be peaking at, at that point. We've got, I think, one of them's like nineteen. Yeah, I mean, it's a three hundred hitter. Uh, so I mean, it's the best hitter on the team already by like twenty points. Yeah, the guy hits ropes. Um, and he's quick. I don't know. I'm he's like a good base happy. runner. He's a really good base runner, like a like an intelligent base runner. Because <laughs> we don't okay. have a lot of those either. All right, so let's play like I don't know fantasy Phillies right now. Um, let's say for the sake of argument, we sign Bryce Harper. Um, I did like a little uh, mock up lineup that uh, there probably. Uh, Gabe Kapler would would never in a million years go with. <laughs> did you did you like rub your pen sense. pen down with coconut oil and get really ready like get into the I whole did. the I, whole I Gabe did. mindset? I, got, I lit some candles. I got my coconut oil and I I wrote my lineup card. Played some Beach Boys, some surf music. Yeah, and and they actually have some lefty righty flexibility. Um, now, so I have Roman Quinn leaning off in center. I love that. Uh, then I have Segura batting second. Okay, I like that too. Uh, he's he's right-handed. Then I have Harper left-handed, uh, hitting third in right field, and Hoskins batting fourth, uh, right-handed uh, at first base. Then I have lefty Nick Williams in left field. Ooh, and then Alfaro, Franco, Kingery, and then the pitcher spot. I I it's like that lineup. lineup right? Yeah, I really like that lineup. Yeah. Like, that's a lineup that can contend. And if you left it alone and let them play day in and day out, they would get good. Have you considered uh, batting uh, Bryce at ninth? <laughs> we lead off with the pitcher. Just get that out, out of the way. <laughs> we're actually going to start. Lead, we're going to lead off with the fifth hitter. Like, we're just going to reinvent this whole thing. Um, no, I didn't. I did not consider that. But. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I just think that's an exciting lineup. I would like to watch that lineup. Do, is it similar if we go with if they end up with Machado? Because to me, for some reason, this whole getting a, a shortstop here kind of screams that they really want to have a, you know come out of the, the the infield. That that Machado might be the move. So I think if we have Machado, so there's no more Franco. Yeah, uh, it would probably be similar. Um... I might have Machado bat second. That's interesting. 
in that lineup. But I mean, either way, there's just that's a I mean, like one through six of that is is really solid. You're adding so much batting average to the to the lineup just by putting Segura and any either one of those guys into the lineup. Yeah, and I looked at the defensive metrics, and the defensive metrics increase like exponentially by by. <laughs> Just moving from moving Hoskins out of left field, like you guys out there could play, you know, just kidding. Uh, Maybe Chuck and I both, like me on Chuck's shoulders. (laughs) (laughs) That's Muppet Man. Um, Just moving, putting any replacement player out in left field uh, increases, you know, our defensive capabilities there. Moving Hoskins to first actually increases our defensive abilities there. Segura improves shortstop. It's just which means we don't have Carlos Santana at third, right? No, yeah, no, no. It's just better all around. And if you get Machado, then it's like off the charts because then you don't have Franco or whoever the hell you're going to put at third base. I like this. This needs to happen. What do you think is the holdup? Why why haven't why aren't people signing? Um, I don't know. I'm not that stressed about it. I know you think that Harper's going back to the Nats. That's a, you, I do. I I just feel like that he's the, the the rock on upon which Nationals Park was built, and I feel like that guy wants him to play there till he's fifty. But I don't know. I mean, if if Harper wants to move, I, see, I heard a, like a nasty rumor that Harper doesn't he doesn't want to live in Philly, and he's always said weird stuff about Philly. He when he was like his first time he played here, he made some kind of comment about D cell batteries, like we're Neanderthals, like we throw batteries at just anybody. That's reserved for J D Drew, and that jerk that jerk earned that. <laughs> oh, did you? Well, you didn't hear on the broadcast that did bring up throwing snowballs at Santa Claus today. Oh, uh, well. The obligatory December Eagles game. Well, that, that, that's this broadcasters playing Philadelphia football bingo. That's all that is. <laughs> yeah, I got it. I got you. Right, look, I don't care if Harper lives in Philly or not. Whatever. You don't think like he wouldn't enjoy a nice big house on the main line like all the other athletes? He could move next to Giroux. They care. would probably be I don't boys. Care where he lives. He can live in South Jersey with uh, Carson Wentz for all I care. The one thing I want to stop, though, is all these jerks that keep saying that Mike Trout's going to show up here at any time, anytime soon. I'm just so done with that. The, the Angels will—we could trade every—and I've said this before. We, we could trade our entire team, and the Angels would be like, no, we're not trading We're not trading Mike Trout. Go away. I don't know, man. I'm coming around to it, though. You're coming like, around to the idea that Mike Trout's going to like wear pinstripes at some point? Yeah, like in two years. I don't know, man. Uh, it, it doesn't happen. It, everyone always has the narrative of, you know, guy going to play for his hometown team, and it hardly ever happens. Oh, we know the best player in baseball. You can call the shots, you know. Well, he is like best friends with Carson Wentz, so Car- we need to car- keep Carson healthy just so that we can get the best player in baseball. Yeah, and just him like hanging with. Uh, well, I don't know if he was hanging with them, but there's like pictures of him with. Uh, Reese and and uh, Nola were at the game today. Is there any way that Ben Simmons could get him a date with an available Cardassian sister? I don't know <laughs> if any of them are available. I mean, I Stop know that ruining players. I know, I know, <laughs> I know that they're into the NBA. But like, I feel like if Mike Trout dated a Cardassian sister, like I feel like that would be kind of like a bro move. <laughs> well, you'd have to get him a white headband. Yes. Oh. <laughs> I smell transition. Yeah, you got it. All right, let's talk Sixers. Jimmy! More Jimmy. Jimmy's so great. Jimmy the Closer. He's n- his new nickname is The Closer. Jimmy has, like, climbed the head of, like, um, Matt Geiger and uh, Eric Snow on my list of favorite Sixers. Wow. Of ahead of, <laughs> yeah, ahead of Eric. Is he, is he closing on Aaron McKee? Yeah. <laughs> Or yeah. the grave digger. <laughs> I, just love, I just love how high Matt Geiger is on the list. <laughs> the vanilla gorilla? Oh, my Lord. Um, <laughs> Didn't that guy once play in an NBA game with pink eye? <laughs> Lots of them. <laughs> There's one thing you can say about Matt Geiger is he did not wash his hands after using the bathroom. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Jimmy Butler and uh, Ben Simmons are uh, best friends now. Headband besties. Headbands. What's that? They're headband besties. Yeah. I'm. You guys, you're getting headbands for Christmas from me. I'm so psyched. So you know, we're photo op. I'm kind of rocking my Jimmy Butler hairstyle right now. Anyway. Yeah. Who looks like of all the guys on the Sixers? Who wears a headband the best? Is TJ McConnell wearing a headband? Because probably no. TJ. Well, I don't know. I don't. And I haven't seen him wear. No, headband. it's actually I mean, it's it's definitely Joel Embiid. Like Joel yeah, Embiid. Yeah, yeah. Like it feels like it's just organically part of. Joel Embiid. It's because All... Joel Embiid pretty much does everything the best. And is that only because Jared Bayless isn't on the team anymore? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jared Bayless, I'm pretty sure, just wears one to bed. Like I feel like he he just never has. There's he's never without a headband. Have you ever worn a headband, a sweatband? No, no, I've never worn a sweatband. I've worn the wrist like sweat wristbands. You have. I, I have. Mm-hmm. For practical purposes. Yeah, they had these little beads in them that if you wore them with on the correct pressure point, it was supposed to alleviate motion sickness. Let me tell okay. you, it does not work. Okay. Yeah. So that's why I wore them. Acupuncture. Chuck, I, I did wear uh, a headband. Share your headband uh, experience with me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, um, it was late '90s, early 2000s. I had very floppy hair. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, it worked well to you know keep the Hugh Grant like uh, hair out of my face and collect sweat when I was you know playing hockey or. I know. suspect this was in the mid '90s. <laughs> I, I would say uh, uh, depends on what we call mid. I'd say late nineties. Late nineties. Okay. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know how like tennis players don't wear headbands all the time. But like, how do you think the conversation went down? Do you think like Ben or Jimmy, one of them, just showed up one day and was like, "This is what we're doing, dude. Like, this is our thing now." Yeah, I think. Well, uh, here's what I va- imagine happened. Um, they were like they somebody tripped over a box and he was like what is this and it's then jared bayless like, jared bayless left all his headbands <laughs> <laughs> and they were like oh fuck it let's wear some tonight oh it'd be hilarious i don't know brett is saying that he told jimmy butler to take ben under his wing uh under his like defensive style yeah wing. and jimmy kind of basically said the same thing he kind of basically said that um he's kind of trying to to show him the way defensively. So Jimmy Butler is like the greatest teammate uh, ever. Do right you think now, he's right? kind of reinventing himself? Like he he's, he's somebody got into his ear and was like, Hey man, like if you don't kind of like rebrand yourself, like you're going to get labeled a, a cancer and that's the last thing you want to be. Or do you think that really this was the truly the right fit for a guy with his personality? I think the Sixers have an amazing culture. I think they have a strong culture and it's like a culture of fun. And there's no way you could play for the Sixers and not be having fun. But like fun but not in like a like a lack of seriousness. Like I think that there's a difference. I think that there's like the hapless fun that some bumbling teams may have, but the Sixers are like because like Ben Simmons can be like a stone cold cold killer and so can reddick like those guys are just icy but like and so can it be really yeah I like mean, they do seem like they are having like a really good time being stone cold killers it's 93 phillies fun yeah but like just a whole different like i don't like the hip-hop version of the 93 phillies the uh i was watching this morning apparently in the grizzlies game um they were interviewing jimmy afterwards and he said how many steals did did Reddick have too? I think I owe him some money. Like it was Ben. Oh, was it was it Ben? Yeah, it was yeah, one of Ben on, on who has more. Steals. I know it was one of them. I can't remember who it was, but, but yeah, but like that's to me that seems fun. Like that's the kind of stuff that like they're gonna go out there and like get motivated to when they're competing with themselves. You know, what I mean, like it keeps you, it keeps you, it keeps you in the game. And we have this thing going now where we're smoking teams, like bad teams, but. Thankfully enough, it's not like coming down to the wire because my. But we weren't smoking bad teams, you know what I mean? Like, but now it feels like we're finally figuring out how to do the job. And you look, if you look around the NBA, like other teams are like not living up to their potential or not living up to their personalities. You know, Boston still can't seem to get out of their own way. I am so excited for this game this week. 
Oh my gosh. Like I, I all right, more excited for the Redskins game tonight or that game Wednesday? It was like this is Sixers Raptors game. It was it was it's real close. Like I cannot wait for Sixers Raptors. I am so jazzed for Sixers Raptors. Yeah, I mean that's a road game, so it's gonna be really tough. Um but like it's yeah. finally getting to see our big three against like this is gonna be a legit, legit test. Um, it feels like we're in a good place, a good groove. We kind of are starting to figure out a rotation. I, you know, I'm, I am psyched. I am psyched to see how we do against the Raptors. So the ESPN week eight power rankings came out and, um, so the Raptors are number one and the Bucks are number two, which I don't know. Are you buying this whole Bucks thing for the long run? No. No, I think the Bucks are kind of like a one-man show, and I feel like people are going to start to get the word out. You shut down the Greek freak, and you're you're okay. Yeah, it's hard or, to shut that dude down, but yeah, I mean Middleton too. I yeah, uh, but Warriors, no, I'm not buying them out of the East. Warriors, Clippers. We beat the Clippers, didn't we? The Clippers are a fraud. They're going to come back to Earth. Thunder. Nuggets. That's another fraud team. And then us at seven. Where's LeBron and the Lakers? Uh, nine. Where's Where's Houston? Houston. Um, and you did you said Boston though, right? Houston's thirteen. No, I didn't say Boston. Boston sucks. Boston's ten. <laughs> <laughs> Even though after the first game, I said they were going to win the NBA title. Right. So, just staying on the NBA, what's going on in Golden State, man? Like, is that team falling apart? What's going on? Nah. I mean, yeah, but they'll be fine. You think they need they need like Steph is the glue. He's the he's the he's the he's what do they call that? The straw that that stirs the drink. Like when Steph is Steph's out of lineup, it they, all the cracks start to to show. I don't know. I think uh, Draymond Green um, hasn't been playing well, and. They seem frustrated if you watch them. They just seem not like the loose, you know, free free flowing squad they you know they are when they get real cooking. Yeah, I mean, you, if you look at Draymond Green specifically, all of his numbers are down. Um, I know that they don't they don't like or he doesn't like Durant. Yeah, I don't. Durant's think, not going to be there next year. Durant's definitely not going to be there next year. That team's going to look very different next year. I think they're still going to be good. But I think they're gonna yeah, be they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna be they're gonna be a different looking squad. So that's it. Anything else? Oh, uh, we never talked Markel about Mark Markel Fultz. Talk about Markel Fultz at all? Did we get a, a report for his shoulder? Do we have any idea physically if he's okay? Is he is he walking? Is he in a chair? What's going on? Well, there I, is I think he needs um, to get a, a referral. <laughs> uh, that's part of his HMO, so he has to get the referral. Are you, are you saying that, that the Sixers don't have good health insurance? <laughs> Markel Fultz has downloaded ZocDoc and is currently uh, looking to make an appointment. And then you make the appointment, and then they call you up and tell you don't have it. <laughs> You also use that app. Great. I do. <laughs> my my I have little children, everyone's sick. My my favorite Sixers moment still of the year is after all that stuff comes down and they 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 talk to uh they talk to the to the GM and he's like, "Yeah, I could probably get him an appointment sooner than that." <laughs> uh well, here's the there's nothing new to add. I guess he's going to go see more doctors or more specialists or something. But uh, my question for you is, what do you think the Philadelphia fan reaction like let's say we trade Markel Fultz to like the Hawks what is the fan reaction the first time um, the Hawks come to Philly and Markel is at the free throw line oh it's it's gonna be loud they will I feel like (laughs) they will let it they will it will be like trying to get that Wendy's frosty every single time They will not want that coming to town. I know I'm getting a free frosty tonight. They will not want that kid to hit a basket. Like the thing that's crazy is I I feel like he, because of the way that the kind of the team has kind of somewhat rallied around him. I think if he was to strap him back on for us. Yeah. I feel like the fans aren't going to be as hard on him because I know Jimmy has come out in, in favor of him. Maybe Embiid has come out and been like, we just want the kid back. 
We don't know what's going on. I mean, the the management has basically said, look, he's going to come back, and we want him to play on the come all do his role off the bench. Like that's what we got right now. And if he doesn't come back, we got TJ, who we're not going to trade. TJ is untouchable. We got offered a first round pick for TJ. We ain't going to take it. You can't yeah, have McConnell. I heard that. I think we're kind of like, as Philadelphia fans, we're kind of like a bad boyfriend um, who, like this one time with Markel, we decided to change our ways and and be genuine and and do all the right things just to try to make the relationship work. And then for all this crap to happen and say once a fresh start somewhere else or some crap like that, it's it, like it feels like one the- time I try to be nice. <laughs> this <laughs> is what happens. If- this is why I'm an asshole. It feels like the second verse of like every good '90s R&B song. You know, what I mean, like that—that's the verse where you're like, "Baby, I'm so sorry. Just, just come back, baby. <laughs> just, just come back." All right, get me out of here. Let's go to Chuck's penalty box. <laughs> okay, Gene, Gene, what is your slow jam in the penalty box this week? All right, so I'm one for one in penalizing people who I need to step up and play well. Or in this case, coach well. So get your defensive in line. Get your defensive in line, and you are going in the in the penalty box, Jim Schwartz. All right, Jim Schwartz, getting a two minute penalty for insufficient D. A two minute penalty for insufficient D on Jim Schwartz. Dave, Dave, who is in your penalty box this week? <laughs> All right, uh, in my penalty box. Starbucks is going into my penalty box. And it's not because of Christmas cups uh, or it's not because of the price of their drinks. Here's the deal. Give me an option to just bypass all of the people who need soy, mocha, almond milk, triple cappuccino bullshit. I just want the cup of coffee. Like the old Dennis Leary bit, a cup of coffee. I just want to skip the line because I'm only going to take up 15 seconds of your time while you pour coffee into a cup. And don't leave me room for milk because I actually like the taste of coffee. Fill it up to the tippy top and put a lid on it and hand it to me. That's all I need. I don't need to stand in the line full of handcrafted drink requests. All right, so Dave is calling a uh, five-minute major for lack of a Java Eevee Easy Pass at Starbucks, and the name on the cup looks to be Dov. Dov, Dov, you got a coffee here? Uh, so Dov is calling a five-minute penalty on Starbucks, and going feel into free, my... feel free to tweet at me that I could order it online before I go. Feel free, that'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> let's see how that goes <laughs> and going into my penalty box uh his name came up earlier anthony sanfilippo he's going into my penalty box not for the crossing broad article that you know went into the most detail of this hex stall behind the scene drama well actually it is for that article it's just from the very beginning of it where he's talking about um nor was the four plus years of stagnate uh stagnated production even if you go back and see the teams with uh, terrible records in each of the years of Hexdall's tenure, like Buffalo, Toronto, and Colorado, and yada yada about Vegas, all built themselves faster than the Flyers have. That's wrong. That's like not even close to true because they may have made a more dramatic turnaround. They, um, you know, maybe they're they're looking like real competitors now. But it's just not true, because if you take a look back at Buffalo, um, they in the last 10 years have made the playoffs twice. They made it in 09-10 and 10-11. They've had a lot of really high draft picks. They had their own trust the process guy in there and Tim Murray, um, you know, tanking for Eichel. And they took another number one round draft pick. No, number one overall draft pick to make the turnaround. Avs have only been in the playoffs three times in a 10-year period. They collected a lot of draft picks. Hextall was in here in year five. Toronto was miserable for years. 
So, I mean, you can you can criticize Hextall for a lot of things. You can criticize the Flyers for a lot of things. But don't tell me the Avs, Toronto, and Buffalo was quicker. It wasn't. Ask their fans. That turnaround time was not quick. It was not painless. So, Anthony Sanfilippo, you are crossing broad and getting a double uh, minor for inaccurate hockey reporting. All right. Chuck's penalty box is closed. <laughs> uh, wow, that was a that was a packed show. We got all yeah. four in that time. Yeah, we said, "Damn the, uh, the damn the, the time limits." We just powered through. So uh, I don't think there's anything left to say. We're just going to sign off. Um, everybody, we're going to see you uh, on Monday morning after uh, an Eagles victory against Dallas. We're going to be in first place, uh, and we're going to break it down for you right here. We're going to talk about a big Sixers game against the Raptors, and uh, we're going to see how the Flyers uh, turn this thing around uh, after a shakeup up top. And, uh, hey, we may have a, a, a new uh, superstar baseball player in town next time we talk. Who knows? Could be a big week in Philadelphia. Who knows? Nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody knows. Hey, and, and make they, sure they Christmas present for us. Make sure you go out there and rate and review this podcast because it helps us a lot. Yeah, maybe maybe Bryce Harper wants to know that we have a vibrant podcast community in the in the Philadelphia sports area. Maybe he wants to know that. It could be important to him. You don't know. Whatever. You should think to yourself every day that I do something today that would help Bryce Harper sign with the Phillies. And if you didn't um, look in the mirror and reflect and go ahead tomorrow, make the change. You don't have to do that right. much for Manny Machado. Cause he's not a, <laughs> no, not so much for Manny Machado. He's a piece of shit. All right, everybody. Uh, that's a good show for today. Have a great day at work and we'll see you uh, Monday morning. <laughs>